there really isn't an easy way to dive into a story about yourself when you in fact thought you were you were going to die and it's not something of being a hypochondriac or whatever those people are that think they're sick all the time or they're dying all the time or whatever the fuck they do if that's even the right thing if you're in tune with your body and you know about your body you know when something is wrong and you know when you've beaten your body up with alcohol or drugs or whatever it is and things are going south it's a scary moment and for me you know back in 2009 I had just picked up my second DWI within probably six months. So I had, I think, two, like, kind of back-to-back. And if you've listened to my other shit, you know that, you know, it was, <clears throat> the market was crashing, uh, going through divorce, lost all my shit. You know, I was crashing with it. And so after this second DWI, you know, I was um, going through outpatient treatment. This would be my second treatment that I went through. And I went through ADAPT with uh, Mark Twiggs. Hopefully uh, he doesn't mind me saying his name. Mark is an awesome addiction counselor. But, you know, through those early stages in dealing with grief of losing my family just putting the bottle down and just, you know, stop drinking, you know, I was, you know, I wasn't into drugs, but I leaned on alcohol extremely heavily to get me through. And at this point in time, I had been living with my grandfather and my auntie was there as well. I, I was fortunate to be there. I had I kind of bounced around between my mom's house a little bit, uh, living in my car some nights and staying at my grandpa's that, you know, at, at this point I had been pretty regular at my grandpa's and I, you know, I started out in this room that had no windows on a leaky air mattress and I was able to move out of that windowless room. I had earned enough, uh, respect or, you know, seemed as though I was being civilized. And his girlfriend at the time, Mitzi, who, you know, unfortunately had since passed away, she got a new mattress and she wanted to give me hers, which was fantastic because Mitzi probably weighed all of 100 pounds. And this mattress is only a couple years old. So I was, I was in. So I got a real mattress and you know, I was able to move out of that windowless room and I was making progress and I didn't look at it that way. And the reason why I didn't look at it that way is because of where I was very recently, recently, like 2008, where I had the big house and the nice cars and all those things. And I really got hung up on the fact that what have I done with my life? I've got 
two DWIs. I'm living in my grandfather's basement and I, you know, can't see my kids whenever I want. I lost my mortgage business and what the fuck is going on? So what I did is, um, instead of trying to sort through the damage, what I did is I surrounded myself with negative people. And you would be surprised that if, if you're a positive person, which I am, usually bring a lot of energy and bring a lot of, uh, you know, good intention with everything that I do to then shift that into a world of negative people. And when I talk about negative people, I'm not, I'm not talking about doomsday preppers or anything like that, but people that drink a lot and bitch about their problems, bitch about their spouses or significant others, their financial situation, and you kind of feed off each other and you get into that mode where my situation sucks the most. And here is why. And I kind of went into that mode for quite a while. And it was easy because of everything that was going on and everything that was happening, there was enough people going through similar things that I was that were from my industry that they just got it. And they're like, yeah, no shit, dude, that sucks. Let's have a shot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, here's what happened to me. We should probably have a shot or let's have another drink. And you know, I had gotten to the point after that second DWI where I didn't even want to go hang out with those people. I just wanted to, drink by myself. And I was at this point, you know, I was donating plasma. You know, I think it was like 70 bucks every time he donated plasma. And that was a process. That's a whole nother, whole nother podcast just about donating plasma in St. Paul and University Avenue. But I, I was doing not the right things. That's for sure. My life was so fucked up. It was, uh, I, it was like, truly, I would wake up and I, I, I was just like, where am I? And so the drinking was, <clears throat> you know, it was, it was a good way to um, escape reality. When in fact, what I should have been doing, I should have been, I should have been dealing with reality, not escaping it. I should have been taking the steps to, to figure out what do I need to do to better my life instead of leaning on this crutch of alcohol to escape it. And what's crazy, if, if you've never binge drinked, binge drank, whatever. I'll get emails, people correcting me on my grammar. <laughs> it's not that great. I'm hockey, hockey player. That's taking a lot of pucks to the head, but the left side of my brain still works good. So we're okay. The, um, you know, the thing about binge drinking, 
you know, you hear about people saying, well, yeah, man, I, I binge drink on the weekends and then they're sober all during the week. When you binge drink for a week straight, I'm not talking about, you know, we're going to, we're going to have a few drinks tonight and it's going to be great. No, I'm talking about binging for a week straight. And this wasn't the first time that I binge drink for a week straight. Just so you know, I got pretty good at binge drinking. And so what I did is I was binging on vodka pretty heavily for a week straight. And seven days. And when I talk about binge drinking, I'm talking about here's a a sample of what I can remember is that I would wake up in the morning and I actually would feel okay. I have that, that blessing slash curse where I can count on one hand in my entire life that I've been hung over. And in that same thought I can count on one hand how many times I've puked from drinking too much all thanks to egg and my has been three times it's the Irish or something so the the thing is when you're drinking like that and you wake up and you feel fine and all these thoughts just start like they hit you immediately. They, as a matter of fact, these thoughts are what wake you up. That's what wake you up is you had money. Now you don't. You had a family. Now you don't. You had a house. Now you don't. You had a car. Now you don't. Or you had cars in my case and a motorcycle. And now you don't. You had nice things. You had a nice life. And you totally fucked it up. And so... What I would do is I'd be like, how much vodka do I got left? And I'd look at the 1.75 liter and I'd be like, I got about a third left. So that can get me started this morning with a screwdriver. I'll have to figure out how to get to the liquor store and get another 1.75 liter if I'm going to make it. And you don't realize in that moment That's not normal thinking because this this process of consuming this alcohol to constantly wanting to be numb is all that you're thinking about. You're not thinking about your family. You're not thinking about your kids. You're thinking about all the negative things because unfortunately that's who I was. I put myself in that situation where that's who I was around. So I got on this train to negativity town and, and that's what I dwelled on. And it's crazy because when you dwell on the negative and that's all you think about is how bad things are and you think it can't get any worse, but then it does, there's a reason for that. It's because you're just thinking about that negativity. Your mindset is nothing but negative. So, of course it's going to continue to go south. Now that doesn't mean I'm not one of those people that, that, you know, runs around on a, on a happy dance and, you know, high-fiving everyone 
saying, I'm at a 10, and I can't believe the sun is out, and I'm grateful for today. We all have bad days. I am grateful for every day that I wake up. But, you know, we deal with stress, and we deal with bad days, and bad things happen in our lives. And that just can't be helped. But, you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm recording this right now. I've, I've tried to record this podcast so many times, but it's, it's a hard one. And uh, my phone just went off. It's 10, 10 uh, p.m. at night, and I have a, a daily reminder that pops up, and it, it says, get your shit together. And that, that just went off. And that, that I do things like that, not to get sidetracked, but I do things like that on my calendar to remind me of where I once was. You know, it's kind of like my flip-flops. You know, people, you know, give me shit. And I've, I've talked about why I wear flip-flops all the time. And just to recap, I, I went to jail for... It's like 27, 28 days, whatever, had shitty shoes going in. They give you jail shoes. They give you shower flip-flops. And uh, I came out. They threw my shoes away. So all I had was my jail flip-flops. And so I wear flip-flops as a, as a reminder of where I once was back in, uh, that was 2009, too, that I went to jail for that long, that time. <laughs> so... The the thing of binge drinking, though, when you drink that hard for that long and you've been hammering alcohol for years now, and it's kind of like one of those things where you, you try to sober up and you do sober up for a while and then you kind of you dip back in and, and those initial periods... So if you're, if you know someone, or if you are that someone that you're, you're trying to sober up and you struggle and you go back, you might notice that when they go back, that they go back even harder. Like it's on, it's, it's like someone who think of it as someone uh, who diets, you know, you got that heavy set person. And they're trying to change their diet because they want to lose weight. They want to get healthy, which is great. And you'll see them, you know, maybe they weigh, let's just use even numbers for my brain. Let's say they, they weigh 200 pounds and they go on this diet. They're going to change their way of life. And when they do that, they, maybe they drop 20 pounds and man, they're, they're feeling so good. Everything's going great. And they can't believe it. And then all of a sudden, the 20 pounds they lost comes back plus 10, right? And you see that a lot of times with people that, that are trying to lose weight. And it, you know, I can't explain it. But I can compare it and explain it when you're someone who drinks a lot and then decides you're done drinking and you do that and it goes great for a while but then you decide to drink again and then you're like oh this is really good 
I can get into this. You know, it's that same chemical reaction in your brain. You've deprived your body of something that it wants for a long period of time. So now that you're going to give it what it's been wanting, it's been so deprived that it is amplified. Your neuro receptors or your whatever the things are in your brain, the make you feel good things, they kick into overdrive because they've missed that chocolate cake. They've missed that alcohol and how it alters your mood. So it kicks into overdrive, which makes you want to consume more alcohol at a faster rate, getting you more fucked up. But the problem is you're drinking at a rate that you're, you're, you're actually drinking faster than you can get fucked up. So then by the time you're fucked up, it's like really too late. There's so much alcohol in you and, and like you just, ah, you went crazy and you didn't realize that you went crazy and you're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with me because, oh my God, I used to be able to consume this amount of alcohol and be fine. Unfortunately, (laughs) you could drink a lot, right? And that was me. I could drink a shit ton and be fine until I wasn't fine, right? So, you know, when I think about this period of when I binge drank, I had consumed, you know, in six or seven days, I probably put down five, maybe six, 1.75 liters of Smirnoff vodka. At least it wasn't Phillips or White Eagle. I mean, no offense to those guys out there, right? Um, not saying Smirnoff's great, but, you know, times were tough. I was donating plasma for the mother of God. But, again, that's a lot of vodka. I mean, if we do math on a 1.75 liter, so I'm going to get my phone out because uh, it's late. So if we have 1.75 and we times that by, just call it five days, that's 8.75 liters of vodka. Okay, so here's what happens. I run out. I run out at a time when the liquor stores weren't open and I'm panicked. Panic is actually setting in because I'm not tired. It's like three in the morning. I'm on this crazy sleep cycle where I'm passing out, waking up, drinking, passing out, waking up, drinking, maybe sleep, pass out, wake up, drink, 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 pass out for a week. And now it's 3 a.m. and I'm ready to party by myself. Sitting on this broken blue corduroy lazy boy where the legs didn't even kick out. You know, the leg thingy. You'd grab that arm and pull it out and the legs would flip up or the footrest would flip up. It's blue corduroy, baby. I tell you, it's classy. 
but you know, I'm panicked because I'm out of booze. So I kind of slither my way upstairs trying to be the ninja. Actually, I wasn't trying to be the ninja. I was actually thinking of that old show Kung Fu with David Carradine, the grasshopper. There was a, a training part where he had to walk on rice paper and not make a sound. So I was being grasshopper trying to creep up the stairs of this house that was built in the 60s and my 240 pound ass going up these stairs because I'm thinking Gramps has got some vodka up there I know he does and you know so here's what happened so I I get up there I'm like I don't know why I need to be grasshopper I mean my Gramps at the time you know this was 10 years ago so he was you know like 87 86 years old and um well it's yeah he was 86 because he's 97 now he's still alive and kicking like bruce lee by the way my gramps is a stud and so you know he had some vodka so i'm like all right score cool super cool so i and it was phillips (laughs) so i'm like i got i need the orange juice so i make that and i'm like you know what instead of going downstairs i know no one's awake no one's gonna hear me So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to turn on TV and sit up here because that's where the vodka is. It's up here. I don't want to take it with me downstairs. So I'm just going to turn on the TV. I'm going to turn it down quiet enough where I can hear it, but nobody else can. You know, his, the bedrooms were hidden back away. It's not like he would have heard me uh, anyways, or, or auntie wouldn't have heard me either. But, you know, I was trying to be, you know, polite. And so, you know, going through this process of not having a license and a couple DWIs and you, you know, I'm not a, not a soaps guy, not a Judge Judy guy. I got into, um, you know, Gordon Ramsay, you know, I, you know, cooking became a hobby of mine and some different things. And I was like, well, let's see what's on. So I get onto Discovery. And it was a show, it was a, like one of those kind of those documentaries. And this particular one is about the Navy SEALs. And if, you, if you've ever heard, if you ever heard David Goggins, I swear to God, me and that guy, I mean, he went way farther as far as what he did. But I think this... Navy SEAL documentary on on Discovery about the Buds class. I think it was class like 234, 233. Don't quote me on that. And they showed what these guys went through. And I got so, so into it. I couldn't believe it. So I'm sitting on, you know, on the couch watching the show, feeling sorry for myself that I'm out of vodka and I have to steal my grandfather's vodka. Woe is me. And here are these men committed to our country that they're doing crazy shit just to try to get into the Navy SEALs. They weren't in. This Buds 
And buds, by the way, if, if you know anything about Navy SEALs, like what they show you of the physical training, that that's just part of it. <laughs> that's a sample size of what these guys go through. They are truly, truly amazing to become Navy SEALs. These guys are studs. And, and I will take a moment to also thank all our military because that is truly an amazing sacrifice. And that is what hit me at that moment. I'm sitting there with a screwdriver, a shitty Phillips vodka screwdriver, watching these guys. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm such a piece of shit. I'm subhuman. I'm... I'm an awful, awful, awful person. And don't get me wrong, there was, it was a marathon. So I drank probably five or six more drinks. Uh, unfortunately for Gramps, I, I drank the rest of the Phillips. <laughs> Sorry, Gramps. Good thing it was Phillips, though, because I replaced it. And I don't think he ever knew. But... You know, so I watched that shit into the morning. And, you know, at this time when I was watching this, you know, we were, we were in the winter and there was a bunch of snow out and where Gramps lived, he lived on that kind of that border street of South St. Paul and St. Paul in Minnesota. It's a lot of snow on the ground. And I had a a gym membership at Snap Fitness, which was 3.1 two miles from my house or from my grandpa's house. And, and don't get me wrong. It wasn't three miles, you know, in the snow uphill, both ways, barefoot, but legit. If, if you're not familiar with South St. Paul compared to West St. Paul, West St. Paul is uphill the entire fucking way. So I watched the Navy seals, this buds class and saw what these men were doing. And I knew that the gym was three miles away and in a kind of a drunken stupor the next, that morning, cause I didn't go to sleep. I was like, you know what? These guys can do this and they're committed to this and, and they want to do all this shit, you know, to contribute and sacrifice for our country. I can get my ass up. And I can get my ass to the gym and I can make a decision to change my life. So what I did is I found uh, a pair of my uncle's old tennis shoes in the garage. They're gross, covered in cobwebs, whatever. I don't even know what kind they were. didn't matter. So I got them on. They were a little small, but whatever. I had a backpack. I put my flip-flops in there. And I'm like, I'm running to the gym. I'm going to work out. And I'm running back. So I did. I jogged uphill. Walked part of the way. Worked out for an hour. And then headed back. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I got this alcohol out of my system. I didn't buy anymore. There's a liquor store literally half a block from the gym. I could see it from the gym. I could see it. I could see it. I could smell the booze. 
But I, I made the decision that these guys, these Navy SEAL guys, they're my inspiration here. They're, they're not getting wasted. They're not wasting their lives. They're sacrificing their lives. So I got to get my shit together, goddammit. So, you know, I ran up there. I worked out. I ran back. I had no vodka. And where Gramps lived, there, there was no liquor stores or bars close by. So that was a good thing. The issue was that I had been binge drinking a shit ton for a week. And if you've never really felt the full force of withdrawals, the DTs as we call them, and your body is craving, like it's at a point where it's so bad that you're shaking so bad. I had tremors so bad I couldn't write my name. Like if you I couldn't even scribble it. It was so bad. And and that happened to me more than once on the DTs. And I figured if I sweat enough and if I work hard enough that I'll just sweat it all out. We'll just sweat it out. It'll be fine. It's going to be great. You know, unfortunately, you know, I didn't plan. I probably should have had a little vodka on board, honestly, because my body reacted so negatively to not having alcohol. So I, to recap, this workout that I did, I left at like 8 in the morning, and I literally put my drink down at 7.45. <laughs> Finished it. Like, all right, they're going to be up soon. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to be out of the house. So I ran up three miles in the snow, walking part of the way. To be honest, <laughs> had a good workout, or I think I did. I don't know. I was more than half in the bag. And then ran back home. So I really thought, you know, I, I actually was feeling good. And I had no idea that the reaction of not having alcohol in my body was going to be so severe. And I thought it was kind of normal, so I kind of took a nap. And was like, all right, I'm just tired. My body just, oh my gosh, we just drank all this alcohol and went and worked out. So my body's just needs a rest so I took a nap for about six hours and I woke up and I remember because I had my contacts in this entire time if you're a contact wearer you know what I'm talking about when you sleep in your contacts and then you wake up and it's like ugh. if you're not a contact wearer and you don't know what that feels like imagine a thousand eye boogers and then walleye vision on top of it when you first open your eyes after sleeping in your contacts. It's awful. I mean, things have changed now. There's contacts you can sleep in. I don't, but there are... Anyway. 
so I woke up and I just, I couldn't see shit struggling to get my, you know, Hanson like glasses that were taped together, you know, get these contacts out, which, and the other thing too, these contacts, they're so sealed to your eyeball. Trying to get them out is like, it's like you're pulling a scab off. (laughs) It's so bad get my contacts out and and I'm collecting myself finding my taped glasses to put them on you know they're always tilted sideways and everything else and so I'm like okay I really sweat a lot when I slept I sweat all the booze out this is no problem this is good we're doing good I'm on the path to getting this alcohol out of me and and being fine. It's going to be good. Not so much. I challenged myself to not go get any more alcohol. And at that in in that time, all I had to do was make it to 9 o'clock. And at nine o'clock, the liquor stores were closed and, and that was it. So I made it to nine o'clock and I'm like, all right, whew, we did it. Good times. And I remember just sitting there sweating. Sweating, just sitting there. Keep in mind, it's the winter time, and I'm in a basement in Minnesota. If you're not familiar with Minnesota, in the winter time, basements are not warm. I had on t-shirt and jeans. I stripped the jeans off, so now I'm in a t-shirt and my thunderwear. I'm still sweating profusely, and I'm starting to get nervous because I'm thinking... That's a lot of alcohol I'm leaking out. So then what happens next is I, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to focus on TV. That's all I had in my life. That and a book. I start seeing stars. The white stars. If you've never had a concussion... Or if you've never, you know, just gotten hit hard or stared into lights, you don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you, when you withdraw really hard, or if you've been hit in the head really hard, uh, which I've had both, you you white spots, spots, stars, whatever. It's kind of like uh, Wiley Coyote when the anvil drops on his head and he sees these stars. That's like a legit thing. And it's not always stars. It's, it just really, for me, it was just like these white flashes going off and it got so bad. Like maybe people that have migraines really bad. They, I hear that happens to them as well, but it's so bad that I couldn't, I couldn't see the TV. I, I literally couldn't watch it. I could barely hear it because 
all of these white spots going like crazy. And on top of that, I'm sweating like I'm in a sauna or a sauna, as they say in the UP. Probably said that wrong too. But I'm seeing the white spots, the white stars. I'm sweating. I have no alcohol to get. I drank Gramps Phillips. My shit's long gone. And I'm starting to get nervous. Because now when I hold my hand up, it's trembling. And I have a hockey injury. I got stepped on by a hockey skate during a fight. And I got 25 stitches in my left hand just for that one. And so I'm like, all right, I'll hold up my right hand. And I hold up my right hand, and it's trembling just as bad. My heart rate, I can feel my heart thumping against my chest at a fast rate. It's like boom, 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 and it's accelerating. And when you're trembling, sweating, and shaking, and you can feel your heart wanting to jump out of your chest, you go into panic mode. You're wondering what is really going on. What what the fuck is wrong with me? And, you know, I remember, you know, I'm like sober. And I'm thinking, ooh, I got to stay awake. If I go to sleep, I'm not going to wake up. Things are going wrong. And here's the the sad thing that, that really kicks in is I was on probation. I had been in jail already. So I'm thinking, okay, if I call for an ambulance and they do a blood alcohol check on me, Fuck, I don't know. Maybe I'm still 0.20. Who knows how loaded up I really am at this point. So I'm not calling 911 because I'm not going to jail. So that that's the mind fuck is you're you're going through all of this and I'm thinking, "No. Not calling for help." Because if I call for help, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get arrested again. I'm going to wake up in a hospital bed with, I'm going to be cuffed to the to the bed. I ain't doing that. This is not how this is going down. And I've heard many stories like this of people that went through different points of addiction in their life with substances where and thank God they're, they're with us, but there's a lot of them that aren't because they're so fearful of being in trouble for getting help. And that was me. I had already been through so much. I'm not seeing my kids. I'm trying to get them back. And, you know, I'm just fucking up all over the place. Can't figure it out. And I'm, Literally, my body is wanting to shut down. I could feel it. Sweating, shaking, fast heart rate, yet I was exhausted. 
Now I'm starting to see things. I'm seeing shapes. I'm seeing... I mean, just paranoia. Pure paranoia. I'm like, re I'm like looking through the drapes to make sure no one's out there to get me, to arrest me. Because I'm like, oh, they've probably been watching me. I mean, crazy fucking shit. Literally thought my room was tapped and that people were listening into me and my interesting life of watching TV and getting fucked up. By this point, you know, it's midnight, 1 a.m., and I had been through three T-shirts and three pairs of underwear. <laughs> and I'm starting to panic worse. So now I have shaky hands, fast heart rate, sweating profusely, paranoia, and I'm freaking out because I don't know what to do. So what I did is I ran upstairs. I wasn't ninja at that point. I just, I mean, holy gorilla feet running up them steps. And I, I found some vitamins. We had vitamin B, we had zinc, and we had fish oil. So I popped two vitamin Bs, and I knew I'd piss out what I didn't use, but I didn't care. I was taking two. I took 10 fish oil pills, 10 or like a thousand milligrams a piece. I didn't care. It's like, more is good. Yes, more is good. We do more. That's the way I did it with vodka. And then I took one zinc because I, here's me, you know, okay. So imagine this six foot three, blonde hair, blue eyed dude who's 230, 240 pounds. You know, I'm not a fat dude. You know, I got, uh, 33, 34 inch waist, right? So I'm, I'm in shape sprinting up the stairs in a t-shirt and underwear. And I'm standing at the sink, you know, with water. And here's what's going through my mind. Okay. Take two vitamin B's. It's okay. Cause you'll pee out, which don't use. So that's good. Only take one zinc. It's 50 milligrams. You don't want too much zinc because that could really damage your body. But let's just pound the shit out of this fish oil pills. That'll be fine. <laughs> and uh, what else we got in here? And I found vitamin D. So I took uh, two vitamin D. I think there are a thousand whatever vitamin D calculates at. Thousand something of vitamin D. I took two of them. So I had 2,000. I had to get that shit on board. And I remember the glass of water and the pills in my hand. And I had to close my fingers over the pills because I was shaking so bad that I was afraid they were going to fall onto the floor. And I filled the water, not so full, but three quarters of the way of a 16 ounce glass that it was like coming over the top. It was spilling out. That's how bad I was shaking. And I remember just getting those pills up with my shaking hand. And I was like, oh, I forced them into my mouth. And I was shaking so bad with this water. 
and I, I didn't care. I just put it up to my mouth and I guzzled and I half the glass of water went onto my shirt. I didn't care. So I'm thinking, okay, I've got some water on board. I've got these vitamins. They're going to save my life. That's for sure. And I'm going to chill. So I went back downstairs and I turned on the TV and there is the same damn fucking Navy SEAL show on again that I was watching at two in the morning the night before when I made this decision. And I thought, all right, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to chill out and, and I'm just, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it. If I die right now, I don't have life insurance. My kids are fucked. Everything's fucked if I go away right now. Everything is. My family. So now all of that starts seeping in. And I'm like emotionally exhausted because I can feel my body withdrawing from alcohol and how intense it is. And I can also tell you that the guilt of what dying would do to my children and to my family. I mean, that was really the, the kicker and I was freaking the fuck out trying to keep myself calm at the same time. I'm taking deep breaths. I'm watching the, the Navy seals on discovery. And all of a sudden I just give out. I'm out. I don't remember what time it was that, I mean, obviously you're hearing me now, so you know I made it. I don't know what time it was when I finally gave out, but I remember waking up and it was an experience like no other. If you've ever tried to hold your breath underwater for an extended period of time and you push yourself and then you break the surface of the water and you gasp for air, that's how I woke up. And I was filled with sweat. Complete sweat. It was at that time when I decided I needed to take my treatment serious. And that I needed to eliminate negativity from my life. And that I needed to, no matter what, be kind to people. Sometimes I'm not still. Sometimes I can be a little mean. But to try to be kind to people that I interacted with. Because here's the thing. I've had a lot of people in my life, a lot of people, who have been dicks to me. Complete dicks. Rude, judgmental, obnoxious. 
and not giving a fuck about about just treating another human like a human. I have been the guy that have had to donate plasma. I've I've been the guy that's lived in his car. I've been the guy that has had a 4,500 square foot house, the cleaning ladies, the nice cars. I've had it all, lost it all, really lost it all. And when I woke up gasping for air, I really thought to myself that I would have absolutely 110% wasted my life over nothing. All these big things that happened in my life on, on the negative and the positive side mean absolutely nothing if I'm not here to enjoy them and share them and help inspire others. It's meaningless. It'll be forgotten. And when I'm gone, it'll be forgotten. But that's okay because I truly feel like that I was given a chance to carry a message to everyone who has ever felt like their life isn't worth anything of value. Because I have felt that. And when you hang around with losers who reinforce that, it's easy to get that mindset and continue in that flow of negativity and I ain't worth shit and this is just how it is and get used to it and blah, blah, blah. And to be honest with you, that's, that's bullshit. So what did I do to flip the script after I woke up struggling and gasping for air? It was at that point when I decided I had had enough. And that's really what it comes down to. It's a decision. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. I didn't think in my head, I don't have a a dime to my name. I don't have shit. I don't have my kids. I don't have my wife. I I don't have anything going on for me right now. Shit's tough. Fuck. I didn't think about that at all. I thought about, I'm alive. Thank you, God. I have woken up. I'm alive. And there is something better for me. So what am I going to do is I'm going to try to be better today than I was yesterday. I wasn't going to try to take on the world and change 150% in day one and just overwhelm myself. I made the decision that today I'm going to be better 
than I was yesterday. So what was yesterday? Yesterday, oh my gosh, I thought I was dying. Today I'm alive. Good. So I'm going to, yesterday I worked out. I'm going to work out again. And then what is one other thing I can do to make my life better? I can tell my grandfather, thank you for putting up with me and giving me a a place to lay my head because I have a roof over my head because of him. I'm not staring at the ceiling of my car. The 1996 Cadillac STS gold, 176,000 gently used miles. But the thing about it is when you look at all that, you know, this time that I wasted, I realized that just because my buddy or, or whoever, the guy next to me or the gal next to me, just because they're married, they have 2.1 kids and they have a house with 20% equity and they have 30% of their income going into retirement and they're the same age, you know what? That shit doesn't fucking matter because we go at our own pace. So instead of thinking that I just wasted these years on this drinking, I learned a lot about who I am and I learned about who we are as, as, a, as humans and kind of how we're programmed. Been through a lot of shit. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, I know it all, but I know a lot of shit. And one thing that we struggle with is going at our own pace. And it doesn't mean that that you can just put things off and, and ignore all the shit because we're like, hey, yo, man, I'm going at my own fucking pace. Just leave me alone. You still want to strive to accomplish things, but it doesn't mean that if you're, in your mind, a little behind a few years from your buddy, it's fine. It really is. It's fine. As long as you're working towards your objective, your goals of what you want to do, and you're meeting them, and it's your own pace, it's really fine. We all figure things out and learn different things at different times in our lives. And for some of us, like me, uh, you're a slow learner. (laughs) And you just have to accept that sometimes. Realize you're a slow learner. And maybe take a breath once in a while about what's up. So in closing... You know, if if you know someone that is struggling and they they just they don't want to listen to you, don't feel bad. I didn't want to listen to fucking anyone either. I mean, maybe you flip them onto this podcast, um, but don't give up on them. Do not give up on them. I am very fortunate to have had some special people in my life that did not give up on me. And I had a lot of people that did give up on me, but but you only need one or two that don't give up. And that can mean the absolute 
absolute world to someone who's struggling. Doesn't mean you have to put up with their shit. It doesn't mean you have to fix them or try to fix them. It just means you got to tell them. I love you. And I'm not giving up on you. Because when you feel like you're alone, that's when things can really go south. And you can drink yourself to death. Or you commit suicide. And we know that's not the end result that we want for anyone that means anything to us. So if you got that person in your life, reach out to them. Help them. If you are that person, know that you are loved. There's someone out there that loves you, believe me. The shit I pulled in my life. <laughs> oh, my God. As my daughter would say, oh, my God, my dude. <laughs> you do have people in your life that love you. If you want to support this podcast, if you know anyone buying or refinancing, I do mortgages. I am not a secret. Loans with Huddy.com, my team rocks. I appreciate you checking me out. Thanks. <laughs>